see my mom ascend. But it says in verse 52 that the disciples had the opposite reaction. Uh, it said that they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And it says in verse 53 that they were continually in the temple blessing God. So why? Why would they be so joyful? Why would they be praising God every single day when they got left behind? It, it, it doesn't make sense, really. Unless... Unless you consider what Jesus left behind for them when he ascended and left them behind. That's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to focus on seven things that Jesus left behind when he ascended into heaven. One is he left behind fulfillment. In verse 44, it tells us that, that Jesus, Jesus himself was the fulfillment of everything that had been written in the law of Moses, of everything that was spoken by the prophets, of everything that was sung by the psalmist, all of the fullness of everything that God had in mind from creation on, the very kingdom of God came to dwell in one person, Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? What does fulfillment mean? It means because of Jesus Christ, there's no more 613 laws to have to worry about. There's no more system of elaborate animal sacrifice to worry about for atonement of sins. There's no more purification rituals. There's no more all of that. There's just Jesus. He was the fulfillment of all of that. Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 and 20 puts it this way and I really like this it says in him in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven by making peace through the blood of his cross Jesus is all in all he is the fulfillment of everything the second thing that Jesus left behind was he left behind opened mind. Verse 45, of course that was difficult for them to understand. They didn't expect the Messiah to, to shed his blood on a cross and die. They had other expectations when it came to the Messiah. His followers did. They expected the Messiah to, I don't know, kick out the occupying forces of the Romans. They expected the Messiah to set up an earthly rule and they probably expected to be on his very first cabinet when he set that up. They expected Jerusalem to return to the days of its former glory, like in the days of the great King David. But none of that happened. And they saw what did happen. They saw how it went down. They, they were there in the garden. In the garden when Judas Iscariot led a group of soldiers with torches and swords and clubs into the garden to arrest Jesus. They were there when Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. They were there when Jesus was carried off and they ran away. They knew what happened to Jesus. They knew that he'd been mocked and they knew that he'd been beaten to within an inch of his life. They knew that he had been forced to carry his cross outside the city up onto the hill called the place of the skull, Golgotha. They knew they knew that he was crucified between two thieves. They knew that people taunted him and 
made fun of him and that soldiers gambled for his robe and then he died. They knew all of that. And then the women followed to see where Jesus' body was placed in the borrowed tomb, the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. But they also knew that on the third day that Jesus rose again because he appeared to Mary. And then he appeared to Cleopas and his friend on the road to Emmaus. And then he appeared to the disciples one time. And then he came back and appeared to them again when Thomas was there. All in all, he appeared to hundreds of different people after the resurrection. He spent the next 40 days teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God. They were there. He opened their minds so that they could understand all of the things they would need to understand before. And then number three, Jesus left behind forgiveness. How important is that? Verse 47, one of the things that he taught them through all this process was that forgiveness was available to anybody, to anybody who repented. Repent was the very first word of the very first sermon that Jesus preached in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Repent, he said, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent literally means to change your mind so that you can change your direction. You know, repent is something that really sounds kind of harsh. It really, I don't know, it sounds even a little bit scary. It's kind of like the guy that's down on the corner of Megan Boulevard and George Wallace Boulevard that holds the signs up to the traffic that says repent and all of these other things. He's kind of, I, I don't know, it kind of gets, gives me the, the creeps as I go by there. It really shouldn't though. I mean, repentance doesn't sound like good news, but it really is. Because what repentance is, it's like, hey, you're traveling down this road. It's going to kill you, man. It's going to kill you. It, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting everybody around you. But the good news is you can change your mind. You can change into a different direction. And the really good news is there's forgiveness in Jesus' name, available for you right now for everybody, everywhere. It's there, forgiveness. Verse 48 reminds us that number four, Jesus left his example. He said, you're witnesses of these things. You guys know firsthand about forgiveness. I can picture Jesus with the disciples around him, and he's telling them, he says, you're my witnesses. I can, I can see him turning to Matthew and saying, hey, Matthew, you know, you know you were a tax collector when I called you. You know about forgiveness, don't you? And and Peter, Peter, you know you denied me three times the night I was arrested. And didn't I forgive you? I forgave you all of that. Everything. Jesus even forgave the thief on the cross, didn't he? So the disciples were witnesses of forgiveness. There were witnesses of everything that Jesus did, all that he taught, all of the miracles that he did. But the most wonderful thing of all was they were witnesses, firsthand witnesses of what it was like to be forgiven. And then number five, Jesus left them behind a commission, a job to do. Verse 47, he said he wants, he wants his followers everywhere to proclaim forgiveness of sins to all people. Everywhere, starting right there in Jerusalem. And this is what we know as the Great Commission. And Matthew's Gospel fleshes it out in Matthew 28 a little bit more. 
Uh, Matthew 28 tells us that we're to go into all the world, to all nations, and tell them the good news, to teach them what Jesus said, to baptize them, which really means to welcome them into the family, right? That's a big job. I mean, it's, it's really a daunting task when you think about it. And I don't know about you, but when I hear something like that, I think, man, I'm going to need some help. I really, I really am going to need some help. And that's the sixth thing that Jesus left behind. He left behind a promise. Verse 49, he said, If you stay here in the city and wait, and I will send you power from on high. Jesus always keeps his promises. Next Sunday, we'll be celebrating Pentecost Sunday, and it's a great Sunday in the life of the church. It's when we remember the day of Pentecost, when Jesus' promises of power from on high came true and more fulfilled Jesus would never give us a job to do and not equip us to do it what do you I don't think so so the disciples would need that power the power of the Holy Spirit to carry out the job he had for them to do and he gave it Jesus always keeps his promises second Peter 1 verses 3 and 4 says his divine power has given us everything needed for life and godless godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness thus he has given us through these things his great and precious promises he's given us all these promises a couple of weeks ago we looked at the promises jesus gave in john chapter 14 you remember those promises he said i'm going to prepare a place for you i'm coming again to receive you and where I am, there you will be also. All of his great and precious promises he left behind, not just to the disciples, but to us too. It's not just that he left us behind, it's that he left something behind for us. And then the final thing, number seven, that Jesus left them behind was he left them a blessing. He left them the blessing at Bethany. And I say Bethany because it's not just important just to remember what the blessing was, but I think it meant something for Jesus to take them to Bethany to do that because Bethany was a special place for Jesus. Bethany, just a couple of miles outside of Jerusalem, it was a place where some of Jesus' closest friends lived. I think it was a home away from home for Jesus, really. It was a place where he could hang out with his friends Mary and Martha and Lazarus and just be himself. It was the place where he wept with Mary and Martha when Lazarus died. You remember that? Remember Jesus wept? Well, that's where he wept. And it was in Bethany where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. It was at Bethany where Jesus went to the home of Simon the leper. Uh, Simon was a guy who, whom Jesus had cured of leprosy and he was there eating with with Simon's friends and a group of Pharisees when Mary, the sister of Lazarus, came in and knelt at Jesus' feet and anointed his feet with costly perfume and dried his feet with her hair. Do you remember that story where Judas Iscariot became really angry and we, we kind of learned something about Judas's heart and where his mind was? And then Jesus said, Mary has done a beautiful thing for me, y'all. She's anointed me for the day of my burial. And shortly after that is Bethany, where Jesus 
got together and first started the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, the day that we know as Palm Sunday. Think about it. Palm Sunday started in Bethany. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and he looked around in the temple uh, and he came back and he spent the night in Bethany again before he went the next day and drove out the money changers. So Bethany was a special place. It was the place Jesus chose to leave his disciples behind and ascend to the Father. And it was the place that he chose to lift his hands and bless them. Blessing is a, it's a really cool word in Greek. It's eulogio. It's the word that we get eulogy from. And it means to speak well of. So Jesus went to one of his favorite spots. And he raised his hands. And he spoke well of his disciples. And then he ascended to the Father. Well, it's no wonder they went back with joy. It's no wonder they worshipped every day. It's no wonder it says that they blessed or they spoke well of God. It wasn't that they were left behind. It was what Jesus left behind for them when he left them behind. You see? All those great and precious things. All those wonderful promises. All of those things. All of the fulfillment and the open mind to understand and the forgiveness and the example and the job to do and the promise of power all of that and his blessing he leaves for us so the only question is what are we going to do with it what are we going to do with what he has left behind for us because there's still work to be done there's still work to be done so my question is this morning would you like to engage and join in that work uh I know that some of you will come across this and you'll watch for a few minutes and then you'll go off and do something else. I realize that someone uh, out there probably will just maybe watch for five minutes or, or, or something. We're glad that you do. But some of you, I realize if you're at this point and you've watched all the way to now, you really would like to engage with this some more. And so I want to ask you to do something. If you would like to receive an outline of today's message and some next steps for you to take this week that are connected with the message and the scripture today, I want to invite you to please do something for me. I, I would like for you to give me your name and your email address through our church's Facebook page or you can email it to us at fumc at fumcgadsden.org and if you give me your name and your email address because you want to engage and you want to, to go the next steps in this process and in your faith uh, walk, I promise you I'll, I'll email you back an outline and some next steps that you can do. I'm not doing this to ask you for money or to try to sell you anything. I'm just doing this to try to connect with you. Um, so that you can be blessed on this Ascension Sunday. So that your heart can be warmed on this Aldersgate Sunday. Will you pray with me? Gracious Lord, how thankful we are for what you have left to us. How thankful we are for the power from on high that you provide for us. You gave us your promises, your great and precious promises. You fulfilled everything that was in the law and the prophets that 
was there to be fulfilled. You open our minds, Lord, by the power of your spirit so that we can understand all this, how much we need that. And Lord, I pray that today will not just be another day, but it will be a day that we choose to engage in the work that you call us to do, the commission that you have given us as followers of Jesus Christ. Warm our hearts and put our hands and our feet to work. In Jesus' name we pray.